Ladies and gentlemen, the geography of the Middle East is impossible to change. But the philosophy of the Middle East must be changed. Wars and armies will not solve its problems, for problems cannot be run over by troops. Problems must be resolved by statesmen. This region has been marked by belligerency, with several wars conducted simultaneously. In the last decade, the major battle of futility was surely the one waged between Iran and Iraq, lasting eight years, claiming one million victims, squandering $300 billion, it left both states bruised, suspicious, hostile, yet it solved nothing. The shown, the acknowledged military expenses for one fiscal year, 1987, exceeds $40 billion per annum. Excluding Saudi Arabia, these very countries spend less than $7 billion for education the same period of time. Thus, a complex dialectic has been created. In order to appear strong, one seeks a modern army. In order to maintain a modern army, one needs costly arms. In order to purchase the arms, one needs resources. In order to allocate those resources, one must tighten belts. In order to tighten belts, one must take more and more away from investment in productivity, away from an already overburdened public. As a result, this unhappy public itself threatens the stability of the regime which wishes to bring its eternal glory. Today, a war can be lost without even being waged. The dynamics are obvious. The birth rate of the region is one of the highest in the world. Revenues from oil are unstable. Secretary Arrington, may I tell you that we are jokingly saying that the Middle East is divided into two sorts of countries, the oily countries and the holy countries. Fortunately, we are a holy country, not an oily country. The price of oil may go up and down. The value of holiness remains stable until the year of 3000 when Teddy has invited all of us to come to celebrate the kingdom of David. We shall try to establish until then, Teddy. <laughs> we are not going to give it up so easily. The price of arms is skyrocketing. And between these three variables, confused governments seek to chart a course. The bitter, undeniable truth is that the greatest economic expense of the Middle East is its war policy. And the greatest economic potential 
of the region is its peace policy. The issue currently on agenda is the Palestinian question. It extends from the Palestinian aspirations to master their own fate to the Israeli concern at the possible stationing of a Palestinian army at the gates of Jerusalem. I am fully conscious of the legitimate rights of the Palestinian people. I demand of others to be equally conscious of the concern of the State of Israel. It was not for naught that we sought a solution that would address the desire of one people without prejudicing the security of another. The solution which seems to us most desirable and which remains desirable today is a solution within a Jordanian-Palestinian framework. This is not a political invention. It derives from the geopolitical reality. The Palestinian people live on both banks of the Jordan River, and the Jordan River itself, not particularly large, is not a knife that can cut a people in two. A solution within a Jordanian-Palestinian framework would allow for a natural expression of their identity. It would also be more amenable to interim arrangements and to a long-term demilitarization so vital to our security needs. Today, with the temporary departure of Jordan from the center of the Palestinian stage and the very public and outspoken entry of the PLO, it may well be that Jordan has acquired greater freedom of action, no longer obliged to represent others. And yet the Palestinians have ostensibly greater responsibility for shaping their own cause. Hence, the Palestinian must not only talk peace and appreciate statements in favor of peace, but behave peacefully. What is needed now is a period of calm in the territories that will facilitate the holding of free elections, whereby a Palestinian representation will be democratically elected. It can share with us the negotiating table for interim arrangements. It can come along with Jordan, Egypt, and others to negotiate a final settlement as well. We criticize the Palestinian position and their declarations because they have been looking for expressions that travels well in Washington rather than for positions that make sense in Jerusalem. The Palestinians must remember, as we do, that coexistence between the Palestinians and Israel must take place in the Middle East, not in North America. Four decades, the great powers, first and foremost the United States and the Soviet Union, 
have been involved in our region. Let's face it, Mr. Gorbachev is not Stalin, and the Soviet Union today is not the one of decades ago. This is understood equally in the United States and Israel. Today, with Moscow demonstrating much greater responsiveness to initiatives for peace originated, let's not forget it, in Washington, D.C., or in this region itself, the time has come to carve a new path. No longer contributors of arms and tensions, no sponsors of an attempt to dictate. They can both become suppliers of ideas for peace, thus bringing us the taste and savor of a new era, so ably triggered by them elsewhere is the reason of this new era. Economic planning is no less important today than military strategy. The Arab world, numbering today some 190 million people, is going to double itself, its population, in the coming 25 years. Can you feed children with guns and shells and missiles? Can you offer them clothes and shelter while investing in war machines? Unless constructive change happens, unless it happens fast, the problem will be aggravated. Neither demography nor deserts stand still. Unless hunger, poverty, and ignorance are contained and effectively addressed, Unless deserts are driven back and the light of hope rekindled, the cradle of civilization may face a darkness yet unknown. It is not the desire of the State of Israel to be an island of prosperity in a sea of poverty. We would like all of us around us to be equally advanced. The needs are obvious. The challenges are clear. Will there be the leadership to launch an aggressive peace policy and a responsive regional marshal plan? This form, this audience, can help seek the answers to our region and beyond. One should never link economic assistance with political conditions. Yet one should never ignore the fact that economic aid can pave the road to political solutions. Thus, let us not confine our vision of the Middle East to the political context alone. Let us recognize, hence act upon, to the interplay between economic development and social stability on the one hand and political solutions on the other. This multidimensional view may give the whole picture a new, far more promising meaning. We act openly for a political solution. We act with an air of shyness on the economic progress. 
Yet maybe the shy economic effort may pave the way for a serious, long-reaching, and deeply important political solution. Ladies and gentlemen, I am convinced that it is not war which is inevitable, it is peace which is inevitable, and for that reason, it should be within our own reach. Thank you very much.